0: Welcome back to Check the Locks podcast. As always, I'm John Connor.
1: I'm Olivia Cornu.
0: Same. Thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we begin, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. It's been two weeks. You've been traveling, having the time of your life. How are you? How was your vacation? How's everything been?
1: Well, I want to first say two weeks is way too long to go without talking. Which it also didn't help that I was kind of in the middle of nowhere sometimes. So, but my trips were amazing. I went to Big Sky, Montana, and went snow skiing for the first time. So that was really cool. Not a half bad skier. And then I was home very briefly, and then flew to um, visit some friends, and then see my dad and spend some time with him. And yeah, now I'm back, back to working, and it was like vacation never happened. Well, how are you doing? You've started a new role at your job, and you've been busy.
0: Yeah, I am doing a different position at work right now. So that has been a lot of fun. I'm learning new stuff and you are right. It's very strange not talking to you for two weeks because, you know, we are usually touching base throughout the week and we're recording on Wednesday. So having that two weeks where I was like, I'm just like editing was very unusual, but I'm glad that you enjoyed your vacation. I am glad that we are back. We're not having to cram six episodes into one night. Pam, I will let you know if you are listening, I am still hopped up on caffeine. I've got a big old cup of coffee right here. So not losing the energy. We're going to bring it, but super happy to have you back. And this week is your case. And I'm super excited to dive into it. What are we going to be talking about this week?
1: This week's episode takes place in Alexandria, Louisiana. Alexandria is a small city in central Louisiana located on the Red River. And kind of as a side note, I grew up on the Red River, just north of Alexandria. And it is indeed red. It's very much a brown river.
0: Is it from like a clay deposit or something like that? Or
1: Yeah, it's all clay. So it's kind of like that reddish brown color. It is a more rural community that serves as a hub for several small towns. In Flatwood, Louisiana, just northwest of Alexandria, Robert and Peggy Hembach had a daughter named Pamela. The family would later move to the city of Alexandria where Pamela's dad had gotten a job. Pamela had a learning disability, but that did not stop her. She was a smart student and graduated high school. Pamela was very sweet and she loved her friends and family. When she was 24 years old, she met Daniel Carnahan. Pamela's brother introduced the two. They got married two years after meeting in 2007. The couple was starting their new lives. Daniel and Pamela got their first apartment together. It was not an easy life for the couple. Daniel worked two jobs. He was a custodian at the local high school and worked at an apartment complex in the evening. Pamela stayed home. In 2009, they had their first daughter. Pamela was now a stay-at-home mom. Every morning, Pamela would bring her daughter to the corner to catch the bus and pick her up every evening. On May 9, 2014, Daniel drove Pamela and their daughter to the bus stop on his way to work. That afternoon when the bus arrived at the stop, Jim Saints, the bus driver, noticed that Pamela was not there. He knew that this was odd and he notified the little girl's aunt, Karen Frazier. Karen was Daniel's sister. Karen and her dad, Winston Carnahan, met Jim Saints to pick up Daniel and Pamela's daughter. The two went to the Chateau de Ville apartments and knocked on the door but no answer. Daniel's dad went to the apartment complex where Daniel was working his evening job. He went there to get the key, but Daniel decided to leave work early to go with his dad to check on the house and Pamela. When they arrived, things were pretty normal and in place until they saw bloody footprints down the hall towards the back bedroom. Daniel and his dad, Winston, found Pamela lying in a large pool of blood dead on the bedroom floor. Daniel panicked, but Winston, a former police officer, quickly calmed him and pulled him from the room knowing it was now a crime scene. They immediately called 911. Detectives arrived on scene and found Pamela laying next to the bed on her back with her leg bent sideways in her bedroom. She was fully clothed. There was blood splatter and smears all around her body and along the walls. Detectives described it as one of the most horrific crime scenes. She had 14 stab wounds around her head, neck, and chest. Investigators at the crime scene found a few key pieces of evidence, several bloody footprints, an empty condom wrapper under Pamela's leg, a small piece of blue latex that appeared to be from a glove and a broken knife handle. Continuing to search the couple's apartment, they were unable to find any blue latex gloves and could not find a knife that matched the broken handle nor could police find a blade for the broken handle. Also, Pamela's house keys and wallet were missing. There was no sign of forced entry and Daniel and his dad reported the door was locked when they arrived. This suggested that the attack was premeditated. Detectives began questioning Daniel. He told police that he dropped Pamela and their daughter off at the bus stop. He said they usually walk, but because it was going to rain, he drove them. He then went to his day job at Pineville High School for about 7.40 a.m. He said he called Pamela a few times throughout the day, but it wasn't unusual for her not to answer the phone. He went to his second job and never went home in between. Police took pictures of his hands and arms, but no evidence suggested he had been in a struggle. Now, police began questioning the residents of the apartment complex, asking if they knew or saw anything, but nothing came of it. Security footage from a building across the street from the apartment showed Daniel dropping Pamela and their daughter off at the bus stop. Then the bus drove away as Pamela turned to walk back towards her apartment. The footage was unable to show whether Pamela got back inside her apartment. Detectives believe that she was ambushed at the door and possibly with someone who has a key to their apartment. They looked at the maintenance man at the complex. He was seen throughout the day walking on the security footage as well. He was cooperative and went to the station for questioning. He too did not have any signs of a struggle and also provided a DNA sample. Police were still struggling to find any leads when evidence details started to come back from the crime lab. The bloody shoe prints were that of a Nike Air Force One. An autopsy later revealed that Pamela had defense wounds on her body suggesting she put up a fight. Police went to the coroner's office to take pictures of Pamela's body. They noticed a bite mark on her hand. This bite mark was swabbed for possible saliva and sent for testing. It also revealed that she had been dead for about six to eight hours before police arrived. This told detectives that Pamela was attacked as soon as she reached her door from the bus stop. Police continued asking around the community for leads. Four weeks after Pamela Carnahan's brutal murder, police receive a 911 call stating someone had found a woman's dead body while fishing on the Red River. The body found was 27-year-old Shaterica Brewer. Shatirika's car was later found walking distance from the Chateau de Ville apartments. Police now believe they had a serial killer on their hands. Autopsy reports prove that Shatirika did not drown but died of manual strangulation prior to being dumped in the river. Detectives tried to link the cases, hoping that solving one case would solve the other. Shaterica's phone records would lead police to 26-year-old Brad Johnson. Brad was a member of the Louisiana National Guard, which is stationed in Pineville, Louisiana. He was married and a father. Police brought him in for questioning, and Brad Johnson quickly confessed to killing Shaterica Brewer. He denied having any involvement in the murder of Pamela Carnahan. Police collected a DNA sample from Johnson, and he was later indicted by a grand jury for the murder of Shaterika Brewer. DNA was able to be lifted from the piece of blue latex glove and the partial knife handle. There was no DNA found on the condom wrapper or from the bite mark on Pamela's hand. The DNA did not match Brad Johnson. Detectives quickly ran the DNA found at the scene of Pamela's murder against their national database. And finally, they caught a break. The DNA was a match to a man named Julius Jamal Garnett. Garnett had quite the criminal history. He had prior arrests for burglary, kidnapping, false imprisonment, attempted murder, and most recently, stalking in 2013. Julius Garnett had an address listed at the Chateau de Ville apartments next door to the Carnahan's. He was staying with his sister, who initially told police that no other adults lived with her. Police obtained an arrest warrant for Garnett and a search warrant for the apartment he shared with his sister. When they arrived, Julius was nowhere to be found. During the search of the apartment, police found blue latex gloves and a box of condoms matching the brand found at Pamela's. He had multiple pair of shoes with the same pattern found from the scene. They did not find any of Pamela's belongings. At this point, no one could locate Julius Garnett. Police and local media put out a bolo and 24 hours later, Garnett turned himself into the police department. He told detectives that he never went into Pamela's apartment but police told him that they had physical evidence that placed him there. Garnett continued to claim his innocence. He was initially arrested for second-degree murder, but then the charge was changed to first-degree. Garnett's trial began July 11, 2016. The defense tried hard to persuade the jury that Daniel Carnahan was responsible for his wife's murder, but ultimately, the jury deliberated for about three hours before returning a guilty verdict of first-degree murder and attempted rape and robbery of Pamela Carnahan. Julius Jamal Garnett was sentenced to life in prison and is currently serving his time at the Angola State Penitentiary in Louisiana. So that's it, John. That's this week's case. What are you thinking? What are your thoughts?
0: These are the kind of cases that really hit home for me. They hit in a way that kind of like the same way we were talking about the Athena Strand case. It's just this is a deep fear of mine, you know. So when we cover these kind of things, it's hard for it not to resonate in a way that maybe some of the other cases we look at don't. That being said, you definitely took me on a roller coaster ride. I was thinking we were gonna have a serial killer. Then there's a second killer, doesn't end up being this guy. Thank God for DNA. That's all I'll say. I mean, I feel like the last couple of cases that we've looked at, it's all been, you know, DNA. We got him. This is our guy. So so just happy that they were able to figure it out it was Garnett. And through that diligent police work, we're able to track him down and happy he turned himself in as well. You know what I mean? It's just, I just can't imagine being Daniel and living for weeks with this question of who did this in my head. It would just be all consuming. So this was a good one.
1: Yeah, and kind of back to what you said about thinking there was going to be a serial killer. I really did think there was going to be one also because the when you look at like the the map, like the aerial footage of the apartment complex and then when we talk about where Shaterica's car was found, there's literally like a small walking path, like a sidewalk that literally goes from like it'd be like two like if you were walking across like a parking lot essentially. That's how close the Carnahan apartment was to where Shaterica's car was found. So like you would almost be like if you were police in this small town where nothing like this really happens, you're thinking, oh, these cases have to be connected. And then this guy's like, yeah, I did it. You get his DNA, not a match, you know. So then it was like, well, now where do we go? But it was just a coincidence that, you know, two young women were killed at the about the same time.
0: Yeah, I can understand being a detective as well, that you're probably in the mindset of this is a hunting ground. Like somebody is comfortable here. They're picking people off, things of that nature. It also doesn't sound like it was the safest place to be, you know, if you've had two murders that close to each other. But the one thing that does really make me feel good is that whether it was Shaterica or Pamela, both of those killers were brought to justice, you know, and I think that's Mm -hmm. the silver lining at the end of this case. You know what I mean? It's that it wasn't unsolved. We got the guys who did it, you know?
1: Yeah. And they figured it out rather quickly as well. So do you want to jump on into the deadbolt test?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a 10 for me. Yeah. Yeah. And what? Absolutely. This is one of my biggest fears that I would be away at work. I would get a phone call or somebody would show up and then I find out something terrible has happened to like my wife or my child. That is the scariest thing on the planet because I love my wife and my daughter more than anything in the world. You know what I mean? And if anything were to happen, it shuts that down. Like your world is essentially over. And yes, there are people that things like that happen to, and they rebound and they try to make the best out of it. But that would be, I know for me personally, that would be a long ways away. So yeah, for me, this is a 10 because the idea of losing one of them is just absolutely terrifying. But what about you? It doesn't sound like this one is hitting as hard for you. So I'm interested to hear what you think.
1: I think the thing that is unsettling for me in this case is the fact that you're in this smaller town and you have two murders of two young women. I think that's where that kind of sits with me. Both are mothers. Both, I believe, were married. And I'm going to put it at about a, a six. I think when you are in this time frame and you if I was living in that area and two women of my age were murdered. I would kind of be in a panic that, hey, they're targeting a certain demographic. Um, and so that that's where I put it up, you know, a little bit higher. But I think overall, it was just kind of this guy who was troublesome, just picked his target and hunted her down. You know, he'd planned it out. He, he knew what he was doing. He lived right across the, you know, across the hall from her. So I'm going to put it at a six.
0: Okay. Follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if this had been a serial killer and not two separate killings, that it would be higher on your list? Yes. You think so? Because that means there's somebody hunting a certain demographic, you would fall Mm -hmm. into that demographic? Absolutely. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Well, as always, that is where we fall on the Deadbolt test for this week. But we want to know where does the murder of Pamela Carnahan fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at CheckTheLocks. If you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come and hang out with us. We were just in there sharing our favorite meals to cook. A lot of people were like, pasta. I was like, get out of here with that.
1: Get stuff. out of it with pasta. No what pasta. No about? peas only except for pineapple on pizza
0: yep pineapple on pizza i'll eat all day but get out of here with your fettuccine el grosso i don't want it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'll eat it all everybody i'll eat all the pasta
0: but we do love that you are sharing and it's just so cool to see this community growing and seeing new members popping every day so if you're not part of our facebook group come hang out with us we would definitely love to have you olivia i don't know about you This case hit me a little bit harder than normal. Normally I have some silly pun. I just don't have one right now because it's, again, I'm in this thought loop of just, oh, this is so sad. I need a five-star review to get me out of this funk. What do you got for us this week?
1: So this week's five-star review comes from the people and the felines. They said, I love this podcast. The episodes are well-researched and written, but they come off like a normal conversation between the hosts that you're also invited to join. The stories flow well and don't get bogged down with a ton of unnecessary chatter. Just enough to make you feel like you know John and Olivia or all of the little details in the case that can get overwhelming and confusing. With a lot of other true crime podcasts, I find myself tuning out about halfway through an episode, but not the case with Check the Locks. Love the Facebook group too. Keep it up, y'all. You've got a winner here. So thank you, the people in the felines. I'm assuming they're a cat person. What do you think?
0: I think so. It also sounds like a felines. one of those court shows, like the people in the people felines. and the
1: felines. Yeah.
0: I just imagine his cats with like small claim disputes.
1: <laughs> they got their
0: you're out of me order. This whole court is no, they- <laughs> out of me order.
1: <laughs> there you go. You redeemed yourself with that
0: one. You're being punny.
1: Well, thank you. The people in the feline. Let us know who you are. Obviously, we like your name, too, and we'll send you some cool stuff.
0: Yes. The people in the felines. Thank you so much. We talk about this all the time, but we have busy days, busy lives. You're working for eight hours. You're taking care of kids. You're making dinner. You're, you know, doing your passion project, whatever it is, your days are full of things you have to do. So the fact that you took just a couple of minutes to leave us that review really does mean the world to us. And we would absolutely love to send you some cool stuff. Reach out to us on Instagram with Check the Locks Pod. Again, you can find us at Twitter at Check the Locks. And it sounds like you're already a member of our Facebook group. So if you're hanging out with us there, send us a message. We would absolutely love to get you some stuff out. And Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, they should hop on over to the Apple Podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll all the way down where you see all five stars, click all five stars, and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you guys
0: we absolutely would. And again, I know I say this every week, but these reviews mean the world to us. They help us broaden our audience. They get us into other show suggestions. It helps listeners find us in this community grow. So if you've taken the time to leave us one of those reviews, thank you so much. It really does mean the world. And if not head over to Apple Podcasts, exactly like Olivia said, you can actually go into the show notes, the details of this episode. There's a link right there. It's a cheat code. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. You can sign up there. we got a lot of great tiers. We got stickers, coffee mugs, t-shirts. I know in the Facebook group, some of our patrons were saying that their merch was on the way. Some had already actually received it already. So check it out. If you want to support what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on. That's a great way to do it. And if you cannot financially support us, that definitely makes sense. We completely understand. Just listening to the show, hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if you like what we're doing, you want to help get the word out, share it with your friends, share it with your family, send them a link, let them know what we do and what you like about it. And again, that's the best way to help us grow. So if you're enjoying the show, you like what we do, you want to share it with your friends and family, that means absolutely the world to us going to help us get out in front of more people get that audience and that community bigger so thank you for coming and hanging out with us every week and letting people know about us it truly does mean the world that is all that we have for you for this week's episode but please make sure you are subscribed to check the locks in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode we will see you again next week with a brand new truly terrifying true crime case but until then don't forget to
1: check the locks
0: see you next week bye